Andrew Womack Ministries presents part one in the How to Find God's Will series, a five-part album. This message is titled, Everyone Has a Destiny. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. What I'm going to do tonight, I'm going to teach a series all of this weekend, and I'm really excited about this. I felt like God told me to do this and that it is going to be a blessing to you. But I'm going to teach an entire series on how to find, follow, and fulfill God's will for your life. And this is going to be a long teaching. This weekend is only going to be focused on how to find God's will. And then I'll do another teaching at another Gospel Truth Seminar about how to follow God's will. And another teaching about how to fulfill God's will. So... If it goes the way I've got it envisioned, it's going to be like 15 parts, uh, 15 different teachings, and it'll be in those three segments. And what I'm going to do, I've got some teaching on this already entitled How to Find God's Will is a three-tape set. I've got a, a set on how to fulfill your destiny, and there's a lot of different teaching I've got on how to stay full of God and just a bunch of different things. And I'm going to be taking things from all of these different teachings that I've got, but focusing it specifically on how to find, follow, and fulfill God's will. And we're going to be dealing with a lot of things like imagination, which a lot of Christians don't understand, your imagination and how you've got to be able to see and you've got to be a visionary and have a vision. So many people are just limited to only going by what is right in front of them and they can't see with their heart. It's like they're spiritually blind. And we're going to be talking about how to get your vision going and how to be able to follow the Lord and walk in faith and do a lot of things. And I think it's going to be a great series. But this week, what I want to do is start talking about how to find God's will. You know, I spoke in Jacksonville this morning at our Bible college that we have in Jacksonville. And uh, I asked, after ministering on something similar to this, I, was, I asked how many people do not know for certain that they're doing what God wants them to. I said, you may want it. You may desire. You may be praying that God would take all of the things that you do and use it and bless it. But how many of you don't know for certain that you're doing what God asked you to do? And did you know over half of the people, and this was a Thursday morning group, the fanatics that come out on Thursday morning. I mean, you're pretty fanatical to be here on Thursday night, but the Thursday morning group is just really fanatical. And over half of them didn't know for sure that they were doing what God called them to do. Let me just suggest to you that you aren't going to accidentally fulfill God's will. It doesn't happen accidentally. You know, it's like water. It always seeks the lowest level. Your life, unless you make a deliberate effort, is going to sink to the lowest level. If you just let circumstances, if you let life take its toll on you, you are going to just come down to a lower level. God's way always takes effort. A dead fish can float downstream. But you know what? You've got to swim upstream. You've got to go against the flow. And to fulfill God's will, it takes effort and there is no way that you can put forth the effort that it takes to see God's will fulfilled in your life if you don't know what God's will for you is. So this is a beginning place. You aren't going to go very far until, first of all, you find out what God created you for. You're unique. We aren't all of the same. And you've got to find out what your purpose in life is. I tell you, that is just critical. And right before I get into some scriptures on this, let me just say that this is what God used to change my life. This is what lit a fire under me. I was in high school. And I, you know, prior to that time, you have your first 12 grades pretty much uh, lined out for you. And I knew what I was going to be doing until I graduated high school. But as I approached the end of my senior year, I just got to realizing that I was going to have to start making some decisions. I need to make a decision about it. Was I going to college? And if I went to college, what was I going to major in? And what was I going to do? And I, all of a sudden, came face to face with what is the purpose for my life? And one thing I got in the Baptist church that was really good was that I believe that God created every one of us with a purpose. Your parents may not have known you were coming, but God did. 
God created you. You didn't evolve. You aren't a mistake. He created you with a purpose. And I believed God had a purpose for my life. And now I was looking at a decision I was going to have to start making. And I wanted to know what God's will for my life was. I didn't want to just do anything. And so my senior year in high school, I started studying the Word. I asked the people in my church, how do you know God's will? How do you find it? And nobody could answer it. Nobody told me. There wasn't a formula that I heard. And so I didn't know what to do. But I figured that the Bible is how you got knowledge of God. And I just started reading the Bible. And my senior year in high school, I would stay up until 2 or 3 o'clock every single night just reading the Bible. I have read the Bible every day of my life since I was a little kid. I was born again when I was eight years old and I grew up in the church and I didn't depart and get away from it. I read it, but I hadn't put it all together and I hadn't studied it. And as a senior in high school, I went out and bought a Matthew Henry commentary. All of the, It was when it was in those volumes. I had like five volumes of these big old heavy books and I would sit there and study every single verse. And to stay awake, I had one of these lamps that had a gooseneck thing on it and it was a fluorescent lamp. And I'd put that over my Bible and I'd read like this. And if I got sleepy, I'd fall over and burn my head on that thing. And that would jar me back too. And I just forced myself to start reading the Bible. And I read through the Bible two or three times in my senior year and just started studying it. And you know what? If you would have asked me at that time, so what has God shown you? I couldn't have told you anything. I didn't have a specific. But I was just preparing the ground. You know, before you plant a seed, you got to dig out the rocks and prepare the ground so that the seed can sink in. And I was just seeking the Lord. I, I hadn't found, but I was seeking. And anyway, I won't make this the whole ministry tonight, but uh, that went on for about a year to 18 months. And then all of a sudden, boom, one verse, Romans 12, 1 and 2. One passage of scripture came alive to me. It just burned in my heart. I spent four months just reading that scripture and saying, God, what does this mean? How do I do it? And did you know after that, I had this miraculous encounter with the Lord where I mean God arrested my life, turned my life around. And for four and a half months, I was caught up in the presence of God. I was gone someplace and it changed me. And often I'll talk about this miraculous encounter with God and people just think that it happened like lightning. You never know where it's going to strike. You can't control it. You know, you can't control lightning. You can't just make God reveal things to you and say, God, tonight you tell me this. That's not the way it works. But you can prepare your heart. It's like I've heard that lightning doesn't actually come from the sky down. It looks that way. But I've seen pictures where it actually shows that there is a negative charge in the ground and lightning actually comes from the ground up. They've taken time-lapse photos of it and seen it. There is a reason why lightning strikes certain places and doesn't strike other places. Likewise, there is a reason why God all of a sudden arrests somebody's life and they have a miraculous encounter and why they don't. In my situation, I didn't really understand. I didn't know it. I, I wasn't mature enough to know what was going on, but I was hungry for God. And I wanted to know what God's purpose was. And, and the best I knew how, I had been seeking God for 18 months, and it wasn't an accident that God showed up. And I say all of this just to say that this is what turned my life around. It's trying to say that God, I know God has a purpose for my life, and I got hungry for it, and God touched me, and I've never gotten over it, never planned on getting over it. It's changed my life. And there are some of you that I know you love God or you wouldn't be here on a Thursday night. I know that you believe that He exists, but you know, so many people believe that God just kind of winds us up like a doll and just lets you go on your own and, and you just figure it out the best you can. And when you get in a bind, call on God and maybe He'll help you. But most, uh, most people are doing their own thing and asking God to bless it. You know, since I found God's will for my life, I don't ever pray for God to bless what I'm doing. I didn't pray for these meetings, which shocks people. People think, you didn't spend time praying and interceding? No, because God told me to do this. And if God told me to do it, He would be unjust to command me to do something and expect me to do it on my own strength and power. 
God gives me an anointing to do what He called me to do. And when you are doing what God called you to do, you don't have to spend any time asking for God's blessing and praying that God would do something because He blesses what He tells you to do. There is a blessing on you when you are in the center of God's will. And one reason so many people have to pray and ask God to come and help them and to do this is because you aren't doing what God told you to do. Or possibly if you stumbled onto God's will for your life, you don't have faith that you're doing what God called you to do. And because of that, you aren't experiencing the joy and the benefit of it. I believe that there is a supernatural peace that goes with being in the center of God's will. It just does something when you know you're where God told you to be. You know, one quick testimony on this. I go to Charlotte every year down here with Pastor Dean and Georgia Melton and Darian Karen Jolly. And I've been going to their church for 22 years. And one of my partners there has a business that he invites me to come speak to his people. And anyway, I've done this for a long, long time. And one day... I went and spoke to all of the people in his business. And then as I was leaving, I walked out and there was a woman that was answering the phones. And she was an Asian uh, lady and I'd never seen her before. So I just stopped and I started talking with her. And I said, are you new here? And she said, yeah, I just started last week. And I said, well, you weren't back there with the rest of these employees. And she said, no, I was the new person. So they had me answer the phone and says, who are you? And I told her and she says, what do you do? And I said, I'm a minister. And she says, for who? And I said, for Jesus. And she says, you must be the one. And I said, what are you talking about? And she says, I've been a Buddhist. And she says, last night, she was, I don't know how Buddhists worship, but she was worshiping however Buddhists worship. And she, she just got dissatisfied with the whole thing. And she says, this isn't it. She says, Buddha's not it. And she says, God, I know you're real. I know you exist, but I don't know who you are. Would you reveal yourself to me? And she said, this ball of light came and just hung right in front of her. And it was just pulsating. And she said she knew it was God. And she said, who are you? And she heard a voice that says, tomorrow I'll send you a man who will tell you who I am. And she says, you must be the one. And I said, I'm the one. And I told this lady about Jesus and got her born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you know what? It was wonderful for her. But when I left that place, it was, it was awesome to think, God, I was in the right place at the right time. This was exactly where I was supposed to be. And you knew it. And you told this lady I'd be there. And I tell you, there is a peace and a satisfaction and a joy and a content. If that doesn't make you have a good day... If that doesn't light your fire, your wood's wet. (laughs) There is something that happens when you know that everything about me is doing what God created me to do. And I don't say this to aggravate you, but sometimes you've got to terrify a person before you can edify them. (laughs) You've got to diagnose a problem before people will want to change. And there are some of you that have never known the satisfaction of knowing beyond any shadow of a doubt that this is exactly what you were made for. And let me just say that, you know, you may be praying to have peace and to get rid of depression and discouragement and you're wanting joy and peace. Did you know that there may be a holy dissatisfaction in you? Because you haven't experienced God's perfect will. And you aren't going to have perfect peace and joy if you are going in a direction that God doesn't want you to go. One of the ways that He turns you around is to give you a holy dissatisfaction. And I'm trying to make a distinction between depression that comes from the world and being carnal and not serving God. But even as a believer seeking God, there's been times in my life, like when we were pastoring in Seagaville, Texas that people tried to talk me out of that and said, these people aren't receiving, leave, get out of here. Nobody wants you. I mean, they stayed away from my church by the droves, amen. And people told me to leave, but you know what? I was committed to Seagaville, Texas. I love the people of Seagaville, Texas. And I stayed there and stayed there and stayed there till it looked like we were going to die. And one day I was at the church praying, and I mean, just like somebody flipped a switch, 
All of a sudden, I looked out and I thought, this is the dippiest town in the world. If this isn't the end of the world, you could see it from here. Why am I in Seekville, Texas? And I got to thinking, God, what are we here? And I mean, just like that, I turned and I hated being in Seekville. And I thought, this is strange. Because before that, the day before that, I was just so excited about getting the opportunity to minister. And then boom, I didn't want to be there anymore. And I started praying. And within an hour or two of praying, I was convinced that God told me to leave. He told me that we could leave on November the 1st of 1979, I think. Or I, no, that wouldn't have been right. It would have been 1975 or something like that, that we could leave. Or, or we would be leaving our house on November the 1st. And I was just convinced of it. And I thought, how am I going to tell Jamie about this? So I went home and I was going to go in and tell Jamie that God had told us that we were moving. And when I got home, there was a for sale sign in our front yard. <laughs> and I walked in and I asked Jamie, I said, what is the for sale sign? And she says, the landlord came by and said, we had to be out November the 1st. <laughs> And I said, hallelujah, amen. And you know how God did that? He didn't say, thus saith the Lord, you shall, thou shalt leave Seagullville, Texas. It was just, I all of a sudden lost my desire. This is one of the ways that God speaks to you. And one of the reasons some of you aren't content with getting up, going to work, coming home, watching television and going to bed and getting up and going to work and just doing this over and over. One of the reasons you aren't satisfied is because you aren't doing what God called you to do. There could be a holy dissatisfaction and you are never going to have that peace and you're never going to have the drive that when you get up in the morning, you are excited because you know you are on a path that is making a difference in your life and changing other people. And some of you have never known that satisfaction. One of the reasons for this is because, again, we have been, the church has been more influenced by the world than we have influenced the world. And many of us were raised outside of the church. Even if you were raised in a Christian home, many people were raised with a uh, unchristian attitude to where we just think that our life is our own. And our parents didn't know we were coming. We were a mistake. We were told that, you know, they didn't want us in the first place. And so therefore, we just go through life feeling like, you know, we're somehow or another a mistake, that we missed out on talents, and so we just struggle and go through and just cope the best we can and think it's up to us to do whatever we can do. And God, I hope that you bless it. I'm telling you, God has a purpose for you. Look at this passage of Scripture over in Psalms 139. Psalms 139. Does anybody here have an NIV translation? Could, could you let me borrow your NIV translation? Would you mind bringing that up here? I'll give it back. <laughs> she looked at me like, huh? <laughs> I'll give it back to you. Let me read this first of all in the King James. It says here in Psalms 139, I'll give it back, promise. Thank you. Boy, man. If the devil got close to you, you could throw this at him and it would kill him. Mercy, that thing's heavy. I could never put that in my back pocket. Here's what it says in the King James, Psalms 139, verse 14. I will praise thee for I am uh, fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written which in continuance was fashioned when as yet there was none of them. How precious are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Listen to this in the NIV, Psalms 139 beginning with verse 14. Let me see. I got to get used to this. It says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. 
Your eyes saw my unformed body and all the days, listen to this, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. God saw you before you were ever born. He saw you in your mother's womb and before you ever were formed, God had already written all of these details about you and your days are ordained before you were even formed in the womb. You know, there's a million applications of this, but I just can't pass this one up. That there's a lot of people that think that until a baby is born, that they aren't human and that they are just therefore the part of a mother's body and that she can do whatever they want. Did you know that this is making it very clear that when you are formed, before you are even formed, God has already written down what your life is supposed to be. He's written down your talents and your abilities. Some of you don't realize this, but you think that you have made yourself an artist or an accountant or uh, whatever it is that you are. But you know what? You can't bring out what God didn't put in. God gave you a disposition. God gave you a certain inclination. There are some of you that are just vivacious and alive and bouncing off the walls. And God gave you that kind of personality. You know, I prayed with one woman out there tonight and I didn't know her, but the Lord just showed me that she's received a lot of criticism because she's so excited about the Lord. She intimidates people and everybody's trying to calm her down and make her as calm as they are. And I was just telling her that God loves you. God made you the way that you are. And did you know that you, you, can, you can change to a degree, but you can't change the core values of who you are. You know, I used to be a runner. Now I'm a walker. <laughs> but I used to be a runner. And when I was in high school, they tried to make me run sprints, 50-yard dashes. And you know, I did it. But boy, I hated it. I just hated it. I didn't know why I hated it, but I hated it. It bothered me. And I never was really good at it. I was good enough to make the track team, but never good enough to win a medal or anything. And then, did you know what? After I finished school, I started jogging. And you know what? I love to run 15, 20 miles. But 50 yards bothers me. And I found out, I started reading some books. And there was this guy who was one of the world's famous long-distance runners, a, a marathon. And they actually took samples of his thigh muscles. And you have what you call fast twitch and slow twitch muscles. And did you know people that are sprinters have fast twitch muscles? People that, are, that have slow twitch muscles are distance runners. And you're genetically designed. And they said that you can change, like say for instance, if you've got 40% fast twitch muscles and 60% slow twitch muscles, you can change it maybe 10% by training and doing things. But you can't change the basic uh, balance. And there are some people that are built for speed and some people that are built for endurance. Likewise, your personality can be influenced and changed to a degree, but you have a, a genetic disposition to being a certain type of person and a certain type of personality. You were designed that. That's what this is saying. Before you were formed, God had already planned these things. He had written it out. Now let me put a little PS in here, and that is... That you know what? God doesn't force it to come to pass. Now this is another thing that keeps people from recognizing and finding God's will for their life is because they have this fatalistic attitude that, well, what, whatever will be, will be. Que sera, sera. And they just go through life thinking, well, it must be fate that we meant. The fact that you were both in a bar and drunk, you don't even factor that into it. It must be God that just put us together. I, we just woke up in the bed together. It must be God. It, no, that's not the way that it works. Amen. And you know what? If you let fate dictate, you're going to make a lot of wrong decisions. You can't just let circumstances move and control you. God doesn't move you like a pawn. But there are a lot of people that think, oh, God is sovereign and whatever God's will will come to pass. Let me give you a little illustration of this. I've had so many people come to me and they've got... 12 children 
And somebody will say, you know what? You ought to practice a little self-control or birth control. Amen. And they say, well, we couldn't have these children if God didn't want us to have these children. That's not true. If you follow that logic, then you know what? A prostitute would never have a child because that wasn't God's will. He didn't sanction that union. They would never get pregnant. They would never have a child if God only gave you the children supernaturally. No, you have been given the ability to procreate. He told you to be fruitful and multiply. And if you put the laws of nature into practice, unless something's wrong with you, you can get pregnant and have children. And you can have a slew of them if you don't practice any self-control or birth control. (laughs) Amen. And it's not God that just supernaturally gives them to you. But see, people just think, oh, well, it couldn't happen if it wasn't God. No, if it, was, if it was just up to God, prostitutes would never have children. Child abusers, pedophiles would never have children. No, you can have things happen. God doesn't just control your life. He doesn't just make whatever happen. I mean, like you couldn't have lost your job if it wasn't God's will. That's not so. Well, this couldn't have happened if it wasn't God's will. There's so many things in the scripture that prove this, but you know, one of them is Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, and it says there that the Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This says it very clear. God is not willing that any man perish, but that all come to repentance. And yet Jesus said that there would be more people perish by entering the broad gate that leads to destruction than the narrow gate that leads to everlasting life. God's will is for every person to be saved and yet not every person is saved. And Jesus prophesied not every person would be saved. Why? Because you have a part to play. God has a plan for your life. Before you were born, before you were even formed in the womb, God had a plan for your life. There's a reason why you were born at this time in history. There's a reason why you were born in the United States or whatever nation you were born in. There's a reason why you are a man or a woman. It's not just happenstance. God chose you. There is a purpose, something that He made you for. And He gave you gifts and talents and abilities. And you are designed with a purpose. It is not circumstantial. He's got it all planned out, what He wants you to do. He gave you certain talents and abilities, but you have total control of your life. He is not going to make His will come to pass. There are some of you that are like a square peg in a round hole because God has a plan for your life in this direction and yet you've allowed life to move you in this direction and that's the very reason that you aren't satisfied and that you aren't fulfilled. And you know what? You're never going to have the same success that you could have as if you find God's will. You know, when I first got started seeking the Lord, I just knew that I was called to minister and I didn't know how I was called to minister. And I found out over a period of time that I was called to teach, not be an evangelist. And so my gifting is towards the body of Christ and to help Christians learn learn who they are. And and I could go on with that. But I, I knew a little bit and so I headed in that direction. I started holding Bible studies. And all of the people that came to my Bible studies got kicked out of their churches. Because this was back before the charismatic move. It was back before there were such things as spirit-filled churches. And I mean, if you spoke in tongues, you were of the devil. I actually made a top ten list of places that were of the devil in my town. I was number one on the list. And people that were coming to my Bible study got kicked out of their churches. And so... They said, well, we're going to start tithing here. This is our church. And I said, no, this isn't a church. This is a Bible study. I'm not a pastor. They said, well, you can call it whatever you want to, but we hadn't got anywhere else to go, and this is where we go, and you're our pastor. And they started giving. And you know what? I became a pastor by default. (laughs) I didn't want to be a pastor. I never felt called to be a pastor, but they started calling me pastor, and I pastored three churches. And God used me and there were lives changed and people born again and there were some good things that happened. But you know what? When I started on radio and then I went and held a meeting like this and I held my very first meeting where we announced it over radio and we invited people to come. When I ministered, it was just like, this is awesome. This was what I was made to do, was to travel and minister 
And even though I had been ministering and saying the same things, there was a freedom and a liberty and a satisfaction and a joy and a peace that came when I started doing what God created me to do. Now, I wasn't out of His will before because those three churches were like my Bible school. Pity the people. But I learned a lot. They were my guinea pigs. And God taught me and I learned. And so I'm not saying I was out of God's will, but that wasn't really the center of God's will. You don't, you don't go from where you aren't in God's will to instantly being in God's will. It's steps. It's stages. There's progressive things. And I actually started ministering in 1968. And in 1999, July the 26th of 1999, it's a long story, but the Lord woke me up and spoke some things to me. And He says, you are just now beginning to fulfill what I called you to do. I had been ministering for 31 years. And He says, you're just now starting. He says, if you were to die, if something would have happened, and if you would have died you would have missed my perfect will for your life. And that was discouraging and encouraging all at the same time. To think that for 31 years I'd been ministering and doing all of this and yet I hadn't hit the center of God's will. But on the other hand, it was encouraging because it was so good what I'd seen God do. And I was so blessed and happy doing what God had called me to do. I thought, man, if I'm getting closer to doing what God called me to do, it's going to be even better. And it has. Our ministry, since we started on television, January the 3rd of 2000, I could, I could spend all night explaining it to you, but it was like I was running through mud before. You know, these dreams that you have where you're trying to go somewhere and it's in slow motion and you're just giving it everything you've got and you aren't moving. Or I had this uh, vision when I was in South Africa last summer and it was like, Jamie and I had been pushing this huge round boulder up a hill. And it was so hard that if we ever stopped to rest, that we were going to lose our momentum and that thing was going to roll back over us and we were going to get crushed. And it was just, it was difficult. And then January the 3rd of 2000, it's like we hit the top of the hill and it was level. And we were able to start putting, and I mean things just worked effortlessly. Things begin to start working better than they ever have. And then this last year... The Lord told me, now we've crested the hill, we're going downhill, and I'm having to run to keep up with this boulder. That's the way that the ministry's been. But you know what? When I began on television, it's just like, this is it. The very first time I was on television, my television people said, you know, it takes months before you get used to talking to a camera. Man, the very first day, it was like, oh, I love this. You know, if I want to minister something, I won't minister to a live group because I'm constantly responding to you and whether you got this point and I'll go back to it. But you know, if I just want to minister something, I'll sit down in front of a television camera and make it because I just, this is what I'm made to do. And there are some of you that the very reason that it is so hard and that there isn't the joy and the satisfaction is because God created you to be going this direction and you're going this direction because your mother... This is what she always wanted because this is what they had in career day and somebody forced you into it or because you got married and it just was, it was fate. It just happened. You need to recognize God created you with the purpose. So not only this passage here in Psalms 139, but that, that shows that God had all of your days written out before you were even formed in your mother's womb. An unborn baby is a human being that God had a plan for their life. And every baby that is aborted is a life that had an entire lifetime planned out that we're never going to see come to pass. Boy, that's a shame. That's one of the great tragedies in the United States. Look over here in um, Galatians chapter 1 at what the Apostle Paul said. In Galatians chapter 1, I'm breaking right into the middle of something that he was saying, but in verse 15, or let me just back up for a second. In verse 13, it says, For you have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jews' religion among many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. 
But when it pleased God who separated me, the word separate here means to set apart or make holy. God separated him from his mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. And he goes on and talks about it. But right here he says that God separated him unto the gospel from his mother's womb. Now here's a radical thought. See, when God is looking for somebody, like for instance, if we were looking for a person to serve in a church, to be an elder, to be this or that, we go around and we look at people and we look at whether or not they're a good steward of money and whether they have this. And we look at their natural accomplishments and their natural abilities and basically choose people based on how well they've performed in an area. This says God chose him and called him and sanctified him, set him apart unto the gospel from his mother's womb. This means before he ever did anything good or bad, before he ever had developed his talents and abilities. God isn't here just looking at your resume and saying, oh, well, this one, look at what they've done. This will make a great person. I think I'll call you into the ministry. I think I'll call you to do this. No, from the very moment of conception, God had already written out your days. And from your mother's womb, God had a purpose designed for you. And I don't know how to say this exactly. Your talents and giftings can be an indication of what God's will is. But you know what? Many of us have latent talents and gifts that you have never seen and you have never developed. And if all you do is look at what your giftings and talents are, you'll miss God. God will call you to do something that's beyond your natural ability and you won't see the real, your real potential until you get beyond yourself and get into a realm where you're trusting God for something supernatural. God will call you to do something supernatural and if you're just looking and saying, well, I've always been able to speak to people and so maybe God wants me to be a speaker or be a preacher or do something like that. That's not how you find God's will. I was a person that couldn't look at a person in the face and talk to him. I was so intimidated. I was such an introvert. I couldn't look at a person in the face and talk to him. When I was a senior in high school, a man walked down the street and said, good morning. And he was two blocks down the street before I got good morning out. And I went and sat in my car thinking, God, what's wrong with me? I was so introverted. This is the last thing. If you would have been looking at anything I'd ever done, this is the last thing I'd ever be doing. And yet God called me to speak in front of thousands of people, millions of people, and talk to people. This is absolutely against what my nature is. And even though God has changed me, did you know still in myself, I like being alone. I really enjoy being alone. If I just want to have a great time, that's what I'll do is just get alone. <laughs> that's my nature. And God called me to do something against my nature. And there are some of you that you just take these personality tests. And from that, you figure out what you're supposed to do. Those things can't tell you what you're supposed to do. They can give you a snapshot and show you where you are at that moment. Like if you would have given me a test back before God touched me, I guarantee you I would have tested to be an extreme extrovert. But you give me a test today and I test out to the max an extreme extrovert. It's a snapshot of where you are at this moment. It may tell you what your personality type is like at this moment, but it can't tell you what God's real plan and purpose for your life is because some of us have been so wounded and beat into submission through this life that the snapshot is not going to give you a true indication of what your total potential is. You have a potential. Paul was separated under the gospel from his mother's womb. God didn't look at him when he was 20 and 30 years old and say, well, you've spent 20 years studying under Gamaliel and you got all of this knowledge under your belt. And so I think that I'll use you over here to preach the gospel and write half the Bible. That's not how he did it. He separated Paul under that from his mother's womb. As a matter of fact, if you and I would have been picking people, see, because we don't see things the end from the beginning, we are carnal and we look back and evaluate things on just carnal physical things. Did you know most of us would have picked Peter 
to have gone to the heathen. He was half heathen himself. I mean, when Paul, you know, I mean, when Jesus called him and stuff, he was probably out there in the boat cussing. That's the kind of person that Peter was. Peter just had an attitude. Peter seemed to always, the only time he opened his mouth was to change feet. He was always doing something wrong. And Peter wasn't polished and he wasn't religious. Most of us would have thought this would have been a great guy to go to the heathen. And here's Paul who was schooled in the Jewish religion. He knew the law frontwards and backwards and he had a revelation of grace. Who better to convince a legalistic Jew than Paul who was the greatest Pharisee of them all? That's the way we would have chosen. And yet God sent Paul the greatest uh, uh, expositor on the grace of God that could have convinced the Jews. He sent him to the heathen who didn't care anything about the Jewish relig- religion. And he sent uh, Peter who knew nothing about all of this stuff and sent him to the legalistic Jews. God chooses differently than we do. And there are some of you that just are saying, well, God couldn't use me. I've always been mediocre my whole life. That doesn't mean that you've really discovered what God's purposes and plans for your life are. God is a supernatural God. And you know what? God will always call you to do something that is beyond your natural ability so that you will have to trust on Him. If all you're doing is what you feel that you can do and that you are good at it and you just naturally can do this, and if people come and if you've won awards and you say, well, you know what, that's, that's me. I'm really good at this. I'm just a natural at this. Then I doubt that you've found what God called you to do. God will call you to do something that's beyond your natural ability. He'll call you to do something where you have to get out of the flesh and out of the natural and into the supernatural. And so if you're just doing what comes easy and what's natural, you probably haven't found God's will for your life. God separated Paul from his mother's womb before he had developed, honed his skills, before he had done anything. God has a purpose for you that may or may not be according to what you perceive to be your strengths and weaknesses. I think it was Miles Monroe that said, if you want to find the place on the earth that has the most potential, go to a graveyard. Because most people died never having reached their potential. They took it to the grave. And brothers and sisters, I know that some of the things I'm saying may unsettle you because many of you have been at this for decades and you've now got a career and things seem to be going well and it looks like you're going to make it and you're thinking about retirement and you're just wanting to coast. You don't want any bumps in the road. And man, here I am presenting that, have you really found out what God's got for you? And it's unsettling. But you know what? I believe that most people have not found God's will for their life. Most people are not accomplishing what God called them to do. And you may be doing something good, but just because it's good doesn't mean it's God. Not everything that's good is God. I'm assuming that most of you in here are at least committed enough to the Lord that you aren't out being a prostitute or using your life to try and cause hurt and pain and just totally selfish. You may be a doctor or a lawyer doing something good, but is that what God called you to do? You've only got one chance to fulfill God's will. It's not like God says, well, just do whatever you want to, and as long as your heart's pure, it's okay. No, Paul was separated from his mother's womb for a specific purpose. You were created by God for a specific purpose. And you can't fulfill it accidentally. You've got to get a revelation of what it is and then you've got to swim upstream and pursue it. And only with effort and time can you see God's will for your life come to pass. It's not going to happen by fate. It's not going to happen automatically. And you've got to pursue it. And you've got to take charge of your life. You've got to get out of the back seat and just quit going along for the ride. And you've got to step into the front seat and start steering this thing. Find out where God wants you to go and make your life go in that direction. 
I can tell you by personal example that Jamie and I, I know that right now I'm exactly where God wants me to be and I'm doing what God wants me to do. And I can tell you in our personal experience, we would not be where we are tonight if we just took the easy way out and said, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. We have sought God. We have stood against things that tried to turn us away from what God's will is and we've had to persevere And it didn't happen accidentally. It didn't happen without effort. And I don't believe it's going to be that way for you. You don't just accidentally fall into the will of God. You've got to pursue it. And that's what Paul is saying. He recognized that God had a purpose for him in in representing God and being a minister. But you know what? For, I don't know, 20 or 30 years of his life, he thought that being a legalistic Jew, a Pharisee, was the way that he was fulfilling God's will. And he was more zealous, he said, than anybody else and profited in the Jews' religion above most of his equals. But finally, the Lord revealed himself and said, you're doing it all wrong. And he had to totally jump ship on the way he was going and make a total about face and go the other direction. There are some of you that may have discovered that God has a purpose and maybe you, are, you recognize that you're supposed to be a leader. And so you are taking these gifts of leadership and you're using them. But does that mean that you're using them for what God wants you to do? If you're really talented and gifted, maybe you can prosper and become a CEO of a company and do something. But is that what God wants you to do with that gifting? Or are you just taking the giftings and the anointing of God and going some other direction? You know, I don't know any of these things uh, for sure, but I've heard that Elvis Presley at one time really wanted to sing gospel. And he did put out some gospel songs. And I don't doubt that there wasn't an anointing of God on his life, but instead of using it to glorify the Lord, he took it and glorified himself. It wound up, he of course overdosed on drugs and all of these things. I've heard that Tennessee Ernie Ford, which some of you young ones don't even know who Tennessee Ernie Ford is. But Tennessee Ernie Ford was at one time a gospel evangelist, a singing evangelist, and he couldn't make a living. He was starving to death and he started singing secular songs to try and make a living and he wound up becoming this great entertainer and a lot of people knew him. But I don't doubt that there wasn't an anointing on his life to minister the gospel and do things similar to what Charlie and Jill are doing. And yet they wound up using it in a different way. And praise God, Tennessee Ernie Ford, I think, wound up doing okay. And he didn't get into some weirdness. But Elvis Presley, some, who knows whatever else, what other person has an anointing of God, and yet they're using it in a way counter to what God intended them to do. You may have discovered some of your talents, but does that mean that you're using it in the way that God wants you to do? Maybe you are, but maybe you aren't. You need to hear from God. You need to find out. You need to recognize that God has a purpose and you've got to recognize it's not going to happen accidentally. It's not going to just happen you wishing and hoping and praying. You need to find out. This is not a dress rehearsal. This is the real deal. You aren't going to have another day like today. This day is the last day like today you'll have and we've got to make every day count and you've got to spend every day moving in the direction that God wants your life to go. You haven't got time to just go through life and at the end of your life say, well, I hope God used me that I stumbled onto what God wanted me to do. Again, I know that this is unsettling to a lot of people because, again, we've, we've settled into a routine. We've got a little bit of security and the pressure is off. It's like we can coast. And here I am terrifying you. But you've got to face this. God's got a purpose for you. Here's another scripture that confirms that in Jeremiah chapter 1. And God used these verses the night that he called me into the ministry. He spoke these directly to me. It's a long story. But in Jeremiah chapter 1, in verse 4, it says, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly... Notice, he formed Jeremiah in the belly. It didn't just happen. It was an accident. It's not only natural. God is involved in this process. Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And before you came forth out of the womb, 
I sanctified thee. This is the same word that was about Paul, that he was uh, separated unto the gospel from his mother's womb. It's the exact same thing. He was separated, sanctified, made holy. He says, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. God had a purpose that Jeremiah was going to be a prophet unto the nations. And here's Jeremiah's response in verse 6. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. Did you know that the night that the Lord called me to minister, He gave me these verses, and when, he, when I read that before I was formed in my mother's belly, I was sanctified and ordained to be a prophet unto the nation, my first response is, God, I'm a child. I can't talk. God, I can't talk in front of people. It terrified me. It was the last thing I wanted to do. I was praying and saying, God, I'll do anything. But when he said, I made you a prophet, I said, no, not that. I said, oh, Lord God, I can't speak for I am a child. And the Lord said unto me, say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. And whatsoever I command thee, that shalt thou speak. Be not afraid of their faces. This is something God told me in 1971, I think, or 72. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. And then the Lord also gave me Jeremiah 5, 14 that says, Because you speak this word, I will make my word in your mouth fire, and the people would, and it shall devour them. You know, God spoke these things to me. He spoke them to Jeremiah. And he told me that this is what he created me for. I'm doing what I was made to do. And you know, I never have really succeeded in anything else. I mean, in football, sports, I was already always mediocre. And you know what? I, I tried harder than some people. And I actually was going to go to college on a football scholarship. And I think if I would have pursued it, they asked me to come to this university. And if I would have pursued it, I might could have gotten a football scholarship. Maybe I could have done something else, but it just didn't seem right. This is when God touched my life and I lost all interest in those kind of things. And I decided not to go that direction. I never have been the best at anything. And you know what? A lot of it is just because that wasn't what I was called to do. This is what God called me to do. And I'm doing what God has called me to do. And there are people's lives like Mercy Santos. And I could name thousands and thousands of people that are healed. Marriages that are put together. People that are born again. I just got a testimony of one of my employees was at a uh, business around the corner from our office. And they asked where she worked. And she says, I work for Andrew Womack Ministries. And the guy said, 40 years or 30 something years ago, I got a tape of his and gave it to my niece who was out living in sin and not living a godly life. The title was Dating and Marriage. And I gave it to her. And through that, she got born again, got to serving God. And she's a missionary now in Africa or someplace and has been seeing people's lives change. You know what? That's what God called me to do. And if I hadn't have been doing what God called me to do, that girl wouldn't have changed or we don't know that she would have changed. Maybe God would have reached her some other way. But likewise, God has a purpose for every one of you. I am spending millions of dollars on radio and television. And yet, did you know that there are people that every one of you know, every one of you have friends, relatives, neighbors that'll never hear of me. I don't care if I spend 10 times as much money as what I'm doing. They'll never hear of me. I'm never going to reach them. And yet you could reach them. There are people that are waiting on you to reach your full potential. And if you don't, they're going to die sick when God wanted them well. And, and then somebody's going to say, man, I just can't understand why this person died. They were such a good person. They loved God. But somebody who was anointed by God did not reach out, did not fulfill God's will, did not help them mature and become the Christian that they were supposed to be. You've got miracles that God has ordained for you to do. You may not ever be on radio and television. He may not want you in front of 10,000 people. But there is a world that you influence that isn't going to get the influence and the anointing that God has for them if you don't reach your full potential. 
And maybe God wants you in the very business that you're in. But He wants you functioning in His power and in His gifts. And He wants you to start seeing miracles. Man, we need people that aren't just full-time ministers. We need people out there in the business world. And God has called some of you to be business people. Some of, God has called some of you to just do whatever. David Hardesty here has a friend who is a uh, trash collector in Oregon or something. And he gave this testimony. This man, he says, God needs people to pick up the trash. If we didn't collect the trash, there would be disease. It would be unsightly. It would be terrible. God has called some people to pick up the trash. And this man was talking about how he's anointed by God and he goes out and he praises God and he gets to lead people to the Lord because he is so positive and happy in serving God, picking up the trash. You don't have to be a minister to find God's will, but God has a purpose for you and you need to fulfill it and you need to know that this is what God made me to do and not just pray and say, God, I hope what I'm doing is acceptable. I hope it'll... It'll work. What a terrible way to live your life. And you know, I know that by saying this, I may bother some of you, but I feel sorry for people that have lived their life and don't know for sure that they're doing what God called them to do. I can't imagine what that would be like to go to bed and wake up and not have a clue if you're following God's will. Man, that would terrify me. And you know what's even worse? is somebody who knows what God's will is. God has spoken to you. And you've talked yourself out of it. Or let other people talk you out of it. That's even worse. To know that God made you for something more. And you just feel disqualified. Or how could God use me? And you aren't doing it. Man, those are two terrible scenarios. I honestly, one of the things that drives me is I know I'm doing what God called me to do. I get up in the morning and I've got a purpose. I haven't arrived. I've left, but I hadn't arrived. And I'm moving in the right direction and it gives me purpose for getting up and doing things because I know that God is moving me in a direction. I don't know how people that don't have a purpose, a God-given purpose and a Holy Spirit-driven life, I don't know how you... I don't know what motivates you to get up and go. Other than maybe it'd just be the alternative would be worse. But what a terrible way to live your life as well. I guess I'll go to work because it beats starving to death. You ought to know that you're doing what God called you to do and that there's people there that need what you're doing and that God is going to use you to minister to somebody and that there's a miracle going to take place today. Then you ought to get up and live your life on purpose. And I'm just trying to say the very first message is that God has a purpose for every one of you. I don't care if your parents liked you, wanted you. God knew you were coming. God wrote down everything about you in his book. And he's got a plan for you. Every gift, every talent, the time that you were born, the country you were born in, everything about you was designed by God. You are not an accident. And there is a perfect plan for your life. And God's plan for your life is better than your plan for your life. Some people will think, you know, if I was to ever just open up this door and start entertaining what you're talking about, God's liable to send me to Africa and I'd live in a grass hut. <laughs> There's some people that just think God is going to ask you to do something that you will hate it. You know for sure that you'll hate it. But that's not the way that it is. Psalms 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean He will give you whatever you want. It means God will put His desires in your heart. You know, I was just at our Bible school in Jacksonville today and Sean and Lisa Michaud were there. They're people that have graduated from our school. They've worked for us and they're on their way to Durban, South Africa to deal with some very poor people in a rough section where it is life-threatening. To be there. And some people think, well, that confirms everything I thought. <laughs> but you know what? They love it. They love it. That's what God called them to do. We've got a friend that actually grew up in a grass hut in Africa. And he says, why does everybody talk about that? He says, I had a great childhood. He says, we had the nicest grass hut in our village. <laughs> 
You know what? There's nothing wrong with being in a grass hut. And if God wants you to go to Africa, He will put a love in your heart for Africa and you would be happier doing that than what you're doing now. I've got some good friends of mine that are in Ciudad Victoria, Mexico. They've lived there, I think, for 26 years, 20-something years. They raised all of their kids there. And Bobby is constantly saying, I am so thankful that God called us to Mexico and that we did not have to raise our kids in the United States with all of the secularism and all of the ungodliness that's being done. And his kids are all serving God and loving God. And he just praises God every day that God called him to Mexico. God is not going to tell you to do something that's terrible. Now, if you're carnal and if you don't love anything to do with God, well then, yeah, you may hate it right now. But as you get your heart in line with God, you will love what God's purpose for your life is. You will love it better than what you are doing. I can promise you that. God's will for your life, this is what you were created for. Everything about you, your disposition... Everything about you, every gift, every talent. You know, I can look back now and in hindsight, I can see that, man, everything that's happened in my life, there was a reason for it. God was moving me in a direction. There was times that my mother thought I'd absolutely lost my mind. But you know what? There were, God was moving me in a direction. Everything that has happened to me has happened to help mold me and move me in a certain direction. And I wouldn't have chosen this, but you know what? I love it. And I just, if, you know, it's not ever going to happen, but if anybody was to ever ask me to run for president, I wouldn't lower myself <laughs> to do such a thing. This is better than being president. This is better than anything. This is what God made me for. And likewise, God made you for one specific purpose and your only chance of reaching full potential is to find what God created you for. And you've got to pursue it. And I'll be spending the rest of this week telling you, all right, how do you get there? But the first step is you've got to get rid of this fatalistic type of thing that, well, it'll just work out or hope that it works. No, you've got to recognize that God has a plan for you and you've got to begin to pursue it. And the good news is that God wants you to have His will and know His will more than you want to have it. He wants you to know His will. And so He is more than willing to reveal it to you. There are things that you can do that will draw this power of God, that will cause God to speak to you and reveal it to you. And I'm going to spend the rest of this weekend talking about this, and I think it's going to make a difference in your life. Amen? You know, if this is a typical group... I would suspect that the majority of people sitting right here do not know for certain that you're doing what God's called you to do. You may love God and you may be committed to God and you may be praying that what your life is all about is what God wants, but you don't have any assurance of it. You know, the very first thing you need to do is just say, God, I'm sorry that I've lived this many years without knowing this. And you've got to reach a place to where I'm not going to go any longer. As long as you can live without knowing God's will for your life, you will. But when you get to a place where I'm not going to live like this, God's got a purpose, I'm finding it. I'm going to seek God with my whole heart. The moment you make that decision, I can guarantee you the, the wheels are turning to, for God to reveal Himself unto you. So you've got to make a commitment. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, that God is faithful and just to keep that which we commit. No committing, no keeping. You've got to commit to something. Are you just going to continue to go through life in case Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be? Or are you going to make a commitment that I'm going to find out God's will for my life? You know, if that's you, if you would say that I don't know for sure, but I'm making a commitment that I am going to find out. Maybe you won't have to change a thing. Maybe you were right where God wants you to be, but you need to know it. And if you're willing to say, God, I'm going to commit to seeking you and I am going to find your perfect will for my life. If that's you and if you're willing to make that commitment tonight, I'd like you just to stand right where you are and let me lead you in a prayer. And I believe that this is going to start the process of God revealing his will to you. If that's you, I want you to be bold enough just to stand right now and I'm going to pray for you. And I believe that God is going to reveal 
himself to you and his will for you. You know, this is just a quick look, but I'd say this is well over 50%, maybe 70 to 75% or more of the people. How in the world are we going to fulfill God's purposes for our life if we don't know for sure? This is a starting place. I believe I got the right message for this group. Amen. Father, I just love you and thank you for these people who humbled themselves. Who, Father, after years and years and years can't truthfully say that they know for certain that they found your will and that they're doing what you've called them to do. So, Father, we first of all just repent for this. Father, forgive us. Most of us just didn't really know. We didn't know that you separated us from our mother's womb. That you had this all written down in your book before we were even formed. Father, we repent of our ignorance. We repent of just doing things on our own. And Father, we want to know your will. We want to know what you created us for. We want to take everything that we have and use it to accomplish your purpose for us. And I know it's a process, Father, but we are making a commitment that we are going to start seeking until we find that we aren't going to be content with just living our life on our own. Father, we want to know your will. So we now humble ourselves and ask you to reveal yourself, to show us your will. Father, to give us supernatural revelation. I know you did it for me at 18 years old. And Father, I believe that you can speak to every person here, that you can reveal yourself to every person. Thank you, Jesus. We believe that right now the process has begun. We believe that you've heard. We made a commitment and we believe you are going to keep that which we commit. We believe that you are going to draw us to a place to where we will emphatically know what your purpose and will for our life is. And so we ask you for it and we thank you in, in advance, in faith, that you are revealing yourself to us in a way that we can see and understand. And Father, we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I agree with you. I believe a miracle is taking place in your life. Starting here tonight, you can be seated. We hope that your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. Remember, Andrew Womack Ministries operates a helpline that you can call for prayer and information at 719-635-1111. We have a ministry website at www.awmi.net and you can write the ministry at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs, 80934. Until next time, we pray that you will reach out by faith and receive everything that is yours through God's grace.